Hi, this is Steve Thompson. And before we go to our reading in Luke chapter 11, I wanted to just note that it's not at all unusual for a first century Jewish rabbi to teach his disciples how to pray. In fact, this was part of how each school, each rabbi, distinguished themselves somewhat. They had trademark prayers. And in some ways, it was kind of like a mission and values statement. So that prayer encapsulated the heart of that rabbi's relationship with God and what was important to him, what captured his or her heart and imagination. So that said, let's read then Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The door's locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, He'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I love that phrase. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers... If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So with Jesus teaching on prayer, here are just a few things that jump out to me today about this passage. First, Jesus' conceptualization of God as Father, as our Dad, is pretty radically new. Jesus addresses God with such familiarity, with such endearment, and he invites us, his followers, to draw into that same kind of relationship. God is our Dad, just like any of our earthly dads that we know and love. God is family, a constant and eternal part of our lives. Now, I've been super blessed to have a great dad. Sure, there's some things that he needed to work on, but I feel like I've had a great relationship growing up. So for me, it's pretty easy to see God through this dad lens. I had a loving father who spent time with me. He took great care of me, and he loves me. Shoot, he still tries to pay for my gas when we go to visit them. So feeling like God wants to spend time with me, to take care of me, and to love on me, isn't really a stretch, but I know that's not true for all of us. Some of you might recoil at thinking about God as your dad because you feel this knee-jerk fear response. Maybe he's angry with you, or you can never do anything completely right, so you're always looking for his approval. 
Maybe your dad was just not there for you growing up. So you see God as largely absent and uncaring. That's totally understandable. But it's also an image that you need to let God heal. He completely understands your trust issues with him as your dad, but he's inviting you through Jesus to let him define what dad looks like for you. Let him be the dad you never had. Let him be the dad that has all those qualities you wish your earthly dad had lived out for you. But you've got to let him. Here's one more thing that strikes me about this passage. You're probably familiar with the rest of the prayers Jesus taught it. We spent a lot of time, actually last Sunday, if you were at the gathering, with that prayer. But Jesus moves from the core of the prayer into a mindset that we need to have when we come to our dad. And that's persistence. I love that he gives an example of why to be persistent by putting us, the listener, into God's shoes. Usually it's the other way around, but here he's saying, look at things from God's perspective. We regular people would eventually get up and help a friend simply because it becomes clear that they're not going to leave us alone. So for me, I'm kind of picturing Durr texting me in the middle of the night, dude, you awake? I need your help. And at first, being awakened by the vibration, I'm just thinking, you know, I'll just deal with this in the morning. But then he keeps texting, it keeps buzzing. So now I'm worried that it might be an emergency. So I text him back, hey, what's up? And he says, I'm having a hard time with something. I'm really anxious about some stuff. I need to talk. So I'm like, oh, good. No one's dying. I don't need to take anyone to the ER. I need to sleep. So I'm going to text him back, hey, let's talk about this first thing tomorrow morning. But then the text comes back, I can't sleep. I feel like I'm going to lose my marriage and my family. I've got to do something. I'm just making this scenario up, by the way. And so now I'm grumpy because I'm not going to get that precious eight hours of sleep I need. And I'm going to meet up with my friend to talk. So I text him back, all right, see you at the hub in 15 minutes. Now, that's me with all my tiredness, all my selfishness, all my not wanting to wake up any of my kids because then my wife's going to be angry. And Jesus is saying, your dad in heaven is not at all like that. He's not tired. He's not grumpy. He's not put out. And he doesn't have to worry about the wife and the other kids. So you've got to know that about him so that when he doesn't answer the door after the first time you knock, you think, he's a jerk. No, that's not it. He hears you. He cares more than you can imagine. He will answer you. Just keep on asking. The kicker is that here in Luke, Jesus identifies exactly what it is we should be asking for persistently too. The Holy Spirit. In Matthew, the same teaching of Jesus on persevering in asking ends up saying, How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Whereas here in Luke's version, it's just more specific about what the Father is longing to give us and what he's longing for us to repeatedly, persistently, consistently ask for from him. And it's the greatest possible gift and resource he could give us, the Holy Spirit. So before I close out in prayer for just that, I want to ask a few questions. 
to maybe get you started in thinking about what God might be asking of you to do next. I mean, it, it might seem pretty obvious, but just listen to these questions and think on them. How's your relationship with your dad in heaven? Have you been seeing him through a distorted lens of what he's like? Have you misunderstood his heart for you as your dad? What have you been asking for lately? Do you need to continue knocking on the door for that and not give up? What have you been failing to ask for lately? Do you need to start persistently asking for that? Or do you simply need to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Let's right now ask for that together. Dad, we need you. We need your gifts. We need the fruit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need and want all of it. And so we're asking, please fill us right now, wherever we may be lacking. Fill us for the day that lies ahead of us. In Jesus' name we ask for it. Amen.